Hear Me See Me podcast is sponsored by Zenoti, the number one cloud software for salons and spas. Because when people feel good, they find their greatness. I am Stuart Roberts, and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. It's just over five years ago. I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is Stuart from Hear Me See Me podcast. Today I've got a lovely lady with me. Um, she's a session stylist and she does lots of exciting stuff. But recently we worked together when I did a pop-up in London for Haircuts for Homeless. So today I'm going to be speaking to Nicola Harrowell. How are you, my dear? I'm really good, thank you. I'm very good today, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Um, Let's go straight in. Let's, 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 let me find out the bones of, of, of what you're about. So take me back to the little wee Nicola of young. <laughs> I'm sure you was an idyllic little child, wasn't you? Yeah, really angelic, never got in any trouble. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was, yeah, I was always quite naughty in school and stuff. Um, uh, I've always been creative. Um, always super academic as well, but I think maybe with like some of my ADHD that gets lost in translation a little bit sometimes. Yeah, we construed as being a troublemaker. Yeah, obviously it's not super accurate. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of course. But um, yeah, so so I was always very into school. Um, I did actually cry on my last day. Did you? Uh, yeah, I was, and everyone was like, "You're coming back for sick form." <laughs> oh, really? like, yeah, no one's gonna be here. I didn't end up going back actually because in during summer break, I saw an ad in a window and got a job in the salon. Right. And that's kind of how my hairdressing career started. I planned to do law, and and then when I got there, I just really liked it. It's a, it's an interesting thing because I had my life mapped out. To a degree, as you can at 15. Um, You're a bit too young to know what you want to do. Yeah. I, I yeah. didn't really have a clue, to be honest. No. And I, I just drifted in. Mom, I had a friend who his hairdresser was really cool. Mm. And I, he took me, no, I had a girlfriend at the time. Uh, and he took me and her to get her hair done at his house. So he was a really cool guy and, you know, and then he, he worked at this salon and then I got to know some of the people who worked there and I, I really fancied one of them. <laughs> and I thought, no, nah, I'm not going to college. I'm going to go. And I just knocked on the door, can I have a job, please? Like that, you did in them days. Yeah. And then it turned out that I, I loved the I didn't like her much. She wasn't very nice at all, but I loved the job. Instantly, like, I was like, this is great. This is like a different world. Yeah, because I, I just got a job in the salon for vodka money when I was, like, 16. <laughs> um, so I grew up, like, you know, with, without a trust fund and stuff like that. So um, so I needed to get a job to fund my alcohol. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Party. Um, and so, yeah, I, got a, I just got a job on a whim. And I was very surprised at how much I liked it because I hadn't really fathomed being a hairstylist before that much. Um it was never really a plan. And when I got there, I just really liked it. I was really surprised at how much science and maths went into everything and how, how difficult it actually was and how challenging and how much there was to learn. That, that is not really how the industry, I think, is seen to the outside world. I think especially at that time, because if you're going back a bit, you're not going back as far as I am. <laughs> back 13 years. How long? 13. 13. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. So even 13 years ago, yeah, it was, it's, it, it gets, it gets better press now, but it isn't, you know, you go back to my, my one, it was completely different, you know, like, 
stigma like some of the hairstylist jobs have, you know? Yeah. But it's very inaccurate because you can be super successful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the exact thing as well. It's um it was it was and still even today can be perceived as a job for someone who's not very um enterprising or intelligent. And it's so far from the truth, you know. Actually, I think, you know, if, it, like, you know, for someone like myself, I get distracted quite easily. Like, mm. um, and, and, but I really like learning and I really like being creative. So I feel like I can kind of do all of that within the industry. Yeah. I think um, I, had a, I had a girl, because um, I had a salon for 30 years, mm. and I had a young girl come to me from school and she was really like not liking school. And she sort of straight away said, I don't want to go to college. I just want to learn to do hair. I don't do any of that. I went, okay, fair fair enough. If your mum and dad agree, I'll just teach you how to do hair and you don't have to go to college. Technically, you don't actually have to have, I mean, I do have VQ one, two and three, but um, technically you do not by law. You can, if you were taught, say like if your mother was a hairstylist or someone, you know, you've taken someone on, you technically do not have to be qualified to perform That's it hairdressing um my little brother actually is just does not want to be in school and he um the only thing he's cared about for the last 10 years is bikes and he's going and got a job doing bike mechanics so you know that's what he's doing and I think you should get that opportunity if something's not really for you yeah I think I think yeah especially in those late years at school like if it's it's a practical thing let them go and get some practical experience you know balance that out Otherwise, uh, for someone to waste time and yeah. do something half-assed that they yeah. got into is just so... Well, this, this young girl, Michelle, she ended up being like... And then after a little while, she said, oh, perhaps I will go to college. So I let her, let, you know. And then once she went, she realised it wasn't like school. And she actually was she was learning something she liked. So she had a bit more passion and a bit more enthusiasm to do it. She, she blasted through it in a year. You know, the two-year course she'd done in a year. And that's I, the thing. I did finish my um, MVQ six months before the. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just didn't want to be shampooing hair. I had no yeah. desire whatsoever yeah. to be on the floor washing hair and sweeping hair. I was like, <laughs> no, no, I want to be doing work. <laughs> and that's the thing, isn't it? There, there is an element of, of finding, like, taking responsibility and saying, I'm not being taught enough or like that. But there are people like yourself who then just grasp it and just, just driven and they get the models in and they, they you know, they do all of that. Because sometimes it's a I bit of both. I used to beg all the colorists if I could, if I could blow dry their clients after. And, yeah. then, and then I started having request clients when I was not even qualified. I had so many request clients in salons. Like, I was yeah. really good at blow drying. Because obviously you can sort of do that without, um, you know, getting into too much trouble if you obviously cut someone's hair and you don't do it. Perfect. Yeah. Like a blow dryer, you can't really screw up. No. I mean, you can, but... You oh, should. yeah. <laughs> that's in some of mine. <laughs> but you, you know, like, it, and that's that thing. Now, I'm really intrigued about your ADHD because you've said, like, was you aware of having ADHD at that time or was you diagnosed later in life? Mm, not really. Um, I mean, hmm. so when I was 14, uh, they, they did try and medicate me. Um, but I wasn't super aware of really what it was and what they were trying to do. They tried to give me some stuff for um, anti-anxiety and I just didn't want to be on, I didn't want to be on prescription drugs at 14. It's so, such an American kind of thing. I I don't know, like in how I sort of grew up, like we don't do stuff like that. So I just refused and I've never actually been medicated. Um, so I, I sort of look after myself. It's something that I sort of worked out over the years that um, if I don't drink alcohol and I go to the gym, if I'm feeling like, you know, a bit anxious or, you know, it's like things are sort of spiralling a little, then um, I kind of manage it myself. I really love eating healthy and I like exercising. So I'm quite lucky that I, I know it's quite hard to sometimes know as well because like when you're sort of in an episode or whatever you might think that everything's just really shit and um but now I do know I'm like mm, have you drank too many days in a row 
have you not been to the gym? And then I'll just do those things and sure enough, I will feel better. Yeah, it's knowing it's knowing it and doing it. So we we I, know. I actually do it though. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like there's still days where it's hard, but I feel like, you know, most people like are kind of anxious anyway and, you know, have certain certain things going on, especially sort of during this time. Yeah. So, yeah, I just think, you know, you just keep the balance of, healthy food and exercise like it's factual that that's gonna yeah. release endorphins and make you feel good yeah and it's it's getting them the right way because there's the quick and easy way so, if you want to be working for a long time you need to get your body right like you know we're on set eating sometimes not the best food um and snacking a lot and you know it's like quite anti-social hours so sometimes when you get home at like eight o'clock at night you don't and you've been on set for 12 hours you don't have time to go and buy loads of food and then go and cook it and clean and then you've got to be on set early in the morning again so it can be hard um I do try to make sure I have healthy things in the house so I don't get tempted to like to just ruin it basically it's not so much about aesthetics I just feel better if I eat better (laughs) so yeah using the right fuel and it really it's that for your body um tell me explain to me a bit like about that what you just you just said about what life on a set is like because for a lot of salon based hairdressers we perceive it to be i've never done it so i i, I don't know oh, i've never done it yet. No. no so no <laughs> <laughs> no uh, so <laughs> tell me it's too much i'm too old to, but tell me, explain it to me a little bit because as a salon based hairdresser, we, we perceive it to have this wonderful, glamorous, you know, oh, they, sometimes they do it hair. is. I can't lie to you. Sometimes you get there and you're like, is this my job? Yeah. Um, you know, like, especially like if you're in Paris or somewhere and then they, they've got like fresh made macaroons and like, you know, it's <laughs> like in this beautiful building that's just like hand carved, like, you know, it's yeah. like sometimes it is like that. Um, but sometimes it's not. And they're like, can we get you a meal deal sandwich? No, <laughs> um, no, I can't sustain on, on like bad food, you know, like you yeah. need to have, there's just certain requirements I think you should have for a set, um, to make the whole day go well. And that's like a variety of healthy food, some like upbeat music, depending on the mood of what the shoot is. I think you should sort of play to that. Um, right. I think that's quite important. Some people really, really get it. Like some productions and some photographers will really like push for that. Um, I think other people sometimes don't realise how much of a role that takes in the in the actual outcome of the picture. So, you know, if if the model doesn't feel super comfortable and if they're not fed well, you've already just started on a back foot. You can't get a high energy shoot. Right, yeah. Everyone's really quiet and they're just like, okay, so. um, But I love my job. I love being on set. And, and, you know, and I'll try and push for that kind of thing. I know that's what makes a picture look, uh, you get the model you have. Like, they don't turn up being the the character you put in your mood board. You kind of get them ready for that while they're in the chair. So, yeah. you know, like, it's, that's the time where you start building them up, hyping them up. You tell them how great they look. You, like, you know, you do your best job. Like, you know, you make sure they feel comfortable and relaxed. If I know a lot of models now. So if it's someone yeah. I don't know as well, you know, you try and, like, you know, like, build a relationship quite quickly. You have, like, a couple hours before you start in the morning. But like I said, they don't always arrive. You know, people have things going on. So... You know, you might arrive that morning, you might have, you know, you can't get an Uber because it's super hard to get a car right now. Um, you know, they might be a bit flustered when they get there. So I just think there's a certain things that do make the day go nicer. Um, I think the industry has got a lot better for yeah. people being kinder and, and people understanding people. Um, there's not so much of a hierarchy that I think there once was when I was younger. Um, I was always very intimidated when I'd go to set when I was younger and I got pushed around a bit. Mm. Uh, I think when, when I started out in my time, um, it, this was way before Instagram. 
Uh, <laughs> I felt old. <laughs> but, um, so you really had to go through the motions. You couldn't fast track your career so much. Um, you, you couldn't like build your own platform. Like the agencies and word of mouth was how you got around. Yeah. So um, you did have to really go through the ropes that like you couldn't just just because you were good doesn't mean you're going to be on no. a certain level um and I think it's a little bit more accessible now if you're good people will see that through mm-hmm. your own channel you can make them see that um so I did find when I started out sometimes I got spoken down to and you know I, I I'd have like I was at backstage with Anthony Turner doing a show um assisting him when I was like 18 or 19 and I have and a lot at that time a lot of the hairstylists on set and in session work were a lot older so I was always one of the youngest and I had this like 35 year old guy come up to me and and not as old as that surely (laughs) but I was I was 18 I know I know he seemed a lot older right I mean I'm 29 now so that doesn't seem old now but anyway so I had him come up to me and be like so what have you done who have you worked with and I had to like list off my whole life to him um and then Anthony just comes over and goes Nicola can you redo that and pointed at that guy's work um so you know I felt like a lot of it was unnecessary like a lot of the ropes I had to climb through um but you know I did it yeah and that caring of him that's a really caring thing to do of spotting that that you're getting a little bit bullied and then saying I don't think he saw that I think oh, he just genuinely wanted me oh, to oh he gen- genuinely yeah. needed something out no oh right no, I don't think he knew at all um, so obviously I felt kind of fabulous when that had happened <laughs> I was like oh thanks yeah but it would have been nice to not have to go through that in the first place yeah, of course. And it reflects more on the person doing it. Because if you... If, if I didn't you... know that at the time. So now, yeah. you you wouldn't be able to push me around like that. I don't doubt it. <laughs> but <laughs> the, the reason I'm like this is because of what I had to go through before. Yeah. Um, it's just like that's, you know, you're, you're an outcome of your, your past experiences and yeah. your environment and stuff like that. So I just, I did feel like I had to go through the ropes quite a lot. Mm. Yeah, you feel like you had to prove yourself in a way. Yeah. But you should have to. Your, your, your work should... Oh, yeah, your work should. You should you. maybe have to prove yourself, but it should be your work, not really just because you look young, that yeah. people would assume that you can't do your job properly. Mm. We, and I got asked to redo hers anyway, so... Yes. <laughs> it's, it's that lovely... Little victories are wonderful, aren't they? Those little victories. Yeah, but it was small because I felt so crappy having to be like... Oh, I, and then, you know, when someone asks you and you, they put you on the spot and you're like, what have I done? Who have I worked for? Yeah. You know, like... Yeah. And, and, you know, I was young and it's just hard to have to sort of do that to someone... Yeah. And it's that feeling of, what, what do they say, that you don't deserve anything, you know, that yeah, imposter yeah, syndrome. Yeah, imposter syndrome That's a little it. bit. And we, we all get I, that. I even got that a little bit. I mean, I don't think you ever really stop getting that. Maybe you do, and I just haven't. Yeah. <laughs> but even when I, when I signed with Premier, um, I was so excited. It's the only agency I ever wanted to sign with. The only one I ever wanted. I got advised to go for the one you've won and to not fathom another idea. Um, by a friend of mine, Diana Moore, and um, and sure enough, I honed my relationship with Premier. I, I made it quite clear where I want to go, and they asked yeah. me to sign about a year ago. And um, yeah, like, I think you should aim for it and and go for what you want. And having clear defined goals is crucial, and I think that what it does it it triggers the subconscious. So if you've really got this clear, defined goal, these opportunities that come along, you, your subconscious picks it up because it's already been lit up towards it. Exactly. You know, and this is why you, you, having a wish list isn't really going to cut it, you know. No. No, I definitely did um, did aim for what I wanted. Yeah. Well, because I've, I've, I've had lots of different guests on the podcast and, and the ones that seem to really flare, I've, had, I've got that real driven uh, sense of direction 
part as well. It's hard to have that because like what I was trying to say, when I was younger, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Like no. I thought I wanted to do law, but it's because it was the thing I was most interested in. I didn't massively want to be a lawyer. Um, I ended up doing hair. I had no idea. Like, you know, I'm from like quite humble beginnings. And um, so yeah. my background, like I grew up like quite poor and stuff. So I didn't really know that much about how to go about the whole college and uni thing either. So I, I think I could have done it for sure. Um, definitely had like the um, the grades for it and stuff. But yeah. just, you know, you're so young, like what you were saying, like how do you even know at 16 what you want to do? You haven't lived, you've been to school, you've had to do whatever your parents tell you within reason and um you know and then and then they're like so what do you want to do for the rest of your life <laughs> some people really know yeah. and, and yeah. they already had like what you're saying like that super clear vision mm. i didn't and it's something that i just still continuously work on like i still don't really know how far i want to go with certain things and i i get loads of business ideas often and um and then I have to be like, what do you actually have the time to facilitate and capacitate? What can you actually do whilst doing all the things you're already doing? And then you have to kind of work out if you, if you want to either save some time somewhere, something else is going to have to go on a back burner. Like, you know, you do, it's hard to know. Yeah. But it's the thing is, we've all got the same amount of time, haven't we? So it's how you use that time. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, if you don't have it figured out as well, then I don't know, maybe don't feel so bad about that. Yeah. But also try and figure it out. Yeah. You've got more chance. You've got more chance of, you need a map. So you've got more chance of finding out where you're going if you've got, at least got a map to follow. Otherwise you're going to sort of drift a bit. I get all these ideas sometimes. I'm like, Nicola, slow down. You're already doing too much. You know? Right. I, I get ideas and I want to facilitate them all and until I think, you know, I have a team of 30 people, <laughs> you can't. <laughs> yeah, you're very self-aware, aren't you? Trying, yeah. Hmm. I'd like it, to. It, it, I'm, only, I'm, I'm very interested because um, as a, uh, like, you said about the ADHD and, and the, the way you self-manage and uh, like my son-in-law, is, he was only just recently diagnosed Mm. Uh, we'll, mind, so. yeah he's he's 30 so really very recently yeah very recently he he got diagnosed but it right. really gave him a sense of understanding because he thought ah yeah. I get it and then he, you know like and we all got it we then ah right that makes people sense not diagnosed people do not take you seriously yeah so you have it and you're like okay so do I need a doctor to tell me something I already know not yeah. really but then when you t if you tell other people and you've not been, been diagnosed they're like they just dismiss you yeah so you know do you need to no like I think maybe you will but yeah, as you try to be self-aware and, you know, like you're, you're your own person and no one's going to look out for you as much as you are. So I do try and work out my stuff, you know, like I don't, yeah. don't want to be um, seen as like someone who doesn't care or anything like that. But, you know, also I get quite distracted and go off a little bit yeah. as well. He, he explained to me, really, he really cleverly explained it to me, is that, He's not being rude, but he's finished with a conversation before we have. Mm. It's almost like you start the conversation with him, and when he just goes off on one, it's because he's done with that, and he's now thinking of something else. Because he, he, he yeah. sort of he's happy that he knows where that was going. Yeah, because you've already you like it's kind of a bit like a chess game. Like you've already like planned, like you already know the goal and the vision of like the conversation. And then some people can still be trailing afterwards and you've already started thinking about yeah. the next subject. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, sometimes I do check out mid-conversation. Yeah. It's not conscious. This is a thing that I think people don't really understand with the stigma yeah. of it is that 
it's not me being rude that I've forgotten your name. It's there's so many things going on in my head at all times. And then at some point you do have to go, right, what do I actually need to yeah. and actually need to focus on? So if you're at work or something and then and the conversation could get a little dull, like you'll just be like, right, okay. And, and, and I can't even tell you what the person said. I know. But it's not being rude. Like, it's not conscious. Hey, we're, we're all talking. It's not interesting. You lose the engagement. Like, so yeah. Hey, we're all talking and they're just in the middle of the conversation and he'll just go to start talking about how far away Mars is or like, yeah, <laughs> do you know yeah, how Mars is like? <laughs> what does he do to manage his? Is he medicating? No, no. Uh, he's, he's, um, see, like, the way I see it as well is. I don't know. I, I don't think it's bad if you do. Um, no. I understand you like people wanting to but for me I've never wanted to to numb anything or or like I don't want to get addicted to prescription drugs either no. it's not, you know it's just that, you can manage your chemical imbalance if you can manage your chemical yeah. balance holistically then yeah I mean what I would like to do it's a very common thing now like addictions to prescription drugs is a massive thing now you know um um People are dying. Of, of people not being on set and being addicted to prescriptions and, and um, like non-prescription drugs. Like this yeah. is the age of everyone going to yoga and and being kind of more alcohol-free and being vegan and gluten-free and you know like that. You know, there's more awareness on yeah, you know, um, anxiety on ADHD on mental health and stuff like that. So yeah. This is, you know, it's, for me, it's not a direction. I don't really want to go in. I don't yeah. know, later down the line, you could be, you know... Yeah, you, you, you don't know, yeah. And this isn't, this isn't um, an ADHD podcast. I just am very, <laughs> very, very interested in it. Um, it, is, it is about, you know, like your career and, and it, it came You've about... You've never been to set. Sorry? You've never been to set. No. You should no. definitely come to set. No, and I, well, the only set I've been on was when we'd done the uh, National Lottery advert. Okay, okay. And that, and I really appreciated then that what goes into something because they filmed me for the National Lottery advert and it took two full days. And uh, when we went to Romford Salvation Army, the poor Salvation Army man was running around like a, in panic because all these crews come up, well, they, these big lorries turned up. So we had the catering crew and the lighting crew and all this in this Salvation Army building. And it was 60 seconds. So two full days filming for 60 second advert. You know, it's mad. I mean, obviously, if we do photos, we do... Um it would probably be, say if it's an editorial, it would be minimum six pictures normally. Mm. Um, normally minimum six. Uh, some Six to eight is pretty standard. Sometimes you can get more um, stills. And some days they try and chuck in some video at the same time. Some days it's right. an extra day for video. Um, so so the pictures, I think, you pay, you, you know, would take, would be a little bit more like, in correlation with the amount of time, but when it's video, it gets chopped up so fast, and you're like, "Was I even there?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. And some films, and um, you know, like it's so funny because like the main cast always like really chilled, and and they'll just let you do whatever, whatever. And um, it would be like someone that's got two lines in the film, and I get it because you know it's really hard, like sometimes for actors to to get out there and um they'd be super they'd have two lines in the film and they'll be like but i want my hair like this and, like, <laughs> and your hair's in rollers because this is set in the 60s that's how she would be woken up with her hair she's like i don't feel like my character would wear rollers <laughs> i know that you don't want that on your show real <laughs> but also if you watch the film it might get edited out like when yeah. you film there's so much footage yeah, and it just gets chopped up so quick. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I, it, well, I, I equate that to the wedding work, and mm-hmm. it always nine times out of ten, the one who's a pain is not the bride; it's one of the bridesmaids. 
And in the end, it's like, it's not your fucking wedding. <laughs> I've spent more time on you than I've on the pride, you know, like. But you know, you know what? We're not saving lives. Like, you know, I do like to do my job to the best of my ability. Like, it's a feel good job. It's, yeah. you know, it, you make the clients feel so nice. Like, you want people to be comfortable if they've had a bad experience and stuff like in the past. Um, it is hair. It, yeah. It's not life and death. Like, yeah. <laughs> I had, I had uh, Annika Phony on my podcast, lovely lady, and uh, she said the same thing, that she's, it's not just doing the hair, it's like she's travelling around the world with some of these superstars and it, it, it's a relationship and it's actually yeah, it, you want, said, you want getting them right for the chair before they get in the chair. Yeah, you, you want them to feel good and... You know, like that's you know part of her job is to make people feel good, um, yeah. not just with your hands, but you know it's the way you sort of talk to someone. Mm. You know, if you if they if they come and they're a little bit nervous, and you meet that energy, and you're like, okay, well, if you don't know what you want, then you know I can't yeah. <laughs> that. Then and they're already nervous. They're gonna they're gonna whether you do a good job or not, they're not gonna yeah. be super happy. No. You, you do have to, so that's, you know, another thing with managing your mental health, your own mental health, yeah. and, you know, and you need to, when you've got your client, you need to get them in and make them feel like they're the person that's being dealt with, and you need to make them feel good. It's about them, not you. Yeah, that's the thing. And it, 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 it equates so much to salon work as well, is that, and that my big thing always has been throughout my whole career is the consultation is key. And the consultation is where you literally make that connection. And there's so many bum, bum, rush, <laughs> bum rush consultations where they literally their bum doesn't touch. It's like, I'll oh, come through. <laughs> yeah, all right. And yeah. I, I find sometimes when hairstylists have had a client for a really long time, I've had a lot of people's ex-long-term clients where they're like, he's been doing my hair for years or she's been doing my hair for years or they've been doing my hair for years. And, and normally it's really good, but I just feel like they don't really care now. Like, so, you know, if you get in and they're just like, Oh yeah, we'll just do the same thing. And they, you know, you have to keep up with the consultations a little bit. You can get familiar and friendly with your clients. You yeah. can definitely do that. But then you also need to make sure they're still being honed and treated in in a similar fashion to your new clients. You still yeah. need to make sure they feel like you're giving them attention and you're not going, oh, I've done her hair loads of times. Yeah. So whatever. Like, I know what she likes. You need to make sure they feel valued. They're paying their money. They're putting their yeah. trust in you. And your hair is kind of one of the first things that you see when you look in the mirror and that other people see when they look at you. Yeah. And you, it's that thing where you don't see Mrs. So-and-so for a while. Mrs. So-and-so has been coming for years. You don't see her for a while. And then a few weeks later, you see her walk past the window and she's got this stunning new bob. And you think, I would have done that for her. Did you ask her that? Did you, did you suggest it? Yeah, did you offer that? You know, I do say to my clients, unless you found, like, you know, let's say Anna Wintour, uh, yeah. you found your look, right, and that you love it and you don't want to change it, like, let Just of your oil cut each time. Like I might let's you know, we'll talk about it. If someone's got super long hair and then and then they want to go shorter, but they're not that sure, I'll be like, well, why don't we do the mid-length styles in between? Yeah. You can explore that avenue and we can just keep changing it. You know? Yeah. And, and they quite like that. Like they might not have been offered that somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always like to use you can yeah. get three or four styles in their mid-length before you go to the short one. Let's have three oh, or four, yeah. you know. Yeah, you can't. Anyway, we're getting very hairy now, aren't we? Um, and as as we're going on to that, I met you a few weeks ago when you volunteered at our sort of pop up shop at the uh, electric space in London yeah. for haircuts for homeless. Yeah. And um, That's a nice day. Yeah, oh, it was great, wasn't it? And the guy you did, uh, I, I went back this week, and uh, someone said to me that he still often walks around around that same area uh and it, you know like he's looking sharp now though 
<laughs> you've done him. But what on that day? Uh, let's start do that first. What 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 did you what did you uh, think about going in, and what did what was your opinion of, of, of that experience? Okay, so I've done similar things um, yeah. before for different organisations. So I already knew that sometimes. Um, I've done similar things in terms of cutting hair for homeless mm. and also doing things in feeding homeless and the homeless, sorry. And um, so what I was surprised about in the past was like when we were del- like handing out food is that sometimes people are not super appreciative. So like you might think, oh yeah, everyone's going to love me because I'm going to go and I'm going to help, you know? <laughs> and... Yeah. And yeah, that that was very surprising for me at the start. This is years ago where I started doing like this. And um, that sometimes people are not super thankful, but it doesn't, that's not the reason you should be doing it anyway. Yeah. It's not to be thanked. Like you're doing something because you want to help and you actually need to take your ego completely out of it and realize that some of these people are very vulnerable and they've been treated really badly. And and you're giving them, what, one meal or one haircut, they might not be like, oh, thanks so much, you're so noble, you're Mother Teresa. Like, you know, you've got to kind of realise that that's not the reason you're doing it. And if you are doing it for that, then, like, you should probably not, really. So so I kind of just wanted to do it to make people feel good. But I already had, you know, in reserves in my head that, you know, you might not get super praise and stuff and... And that's okay. Yeah. Do it because you want to and don't if you don't want to. Yeah. No. So, I, I, I saw you though and you, you, you was very good. Uh, he was lovely. Like the guy I had, he was appreciative. Yeah. So I'm, not, I'm not really speaking about him specifically, but I'm just yeah. saying that, you know, if you want to do something charitable, mm. then do it for the sake of doing yeah. it, not for the sake of the praise you're going to get after because sometimes people are not, they're like, okay, give me one meal. I'm still homeless. Like, I'm like, thanks, but you know, yeah, I solving my problems. <laughs> I think I, I learned that a lot. One time I was in uh, Liverpool, Liverpool. I was in Liverpool, and it was this really manic session. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I love the Scousers. Oh yeah, say it's funny up there. It really yeah, is funny, and they really lay into me because I'm an Essex boy. They really, I really get stiff when I'm in there. But this guy came in and he was such a pain, you know, like he was angry and he was moany, and we was all trying to work and he was disruptive. Yeah, well, he, he, and I was, I was pissed off with him, you know, and. Uh, I couldn't wait for him to jog off, you know, because I, I, I'm a human being. So I, my yeah. compassion levels are oh, a finite amount. And, uh, but then when I went out, we packed up, we'd finished, went outside and he was screaming and shouting at one of the, the workers there. But he was standing there and it was, it was right, it'd been raining or it was raining. And all day he had a tracksuit on and white socks. Mm. And he's standing there and all he said, all I want is a fucking dry pair of shoes. And, and it, it, it hit me. I thought, that's why he was angry. Someone's nicked his shoes. It's pouring the rain. He's got soaking wet. He's walking around in socks in the rain. And he's got, he just wants a dry pair of trainers. I think when, when we go into work and sometimes we have other things on our mind. Yeah. And then you think, and then a homeless person's going to come and get a haircut. They're not saying that. Sometimes they do really relax into your chair and they're really, yeah. uh, you know, so sometimes you do get that. Yeah. But sometimes, like, think about all the other things they've got going on and how uncomfortable it could be. And yeah. sometimes humiliating as well. Like, you know, I grew up poor and it's not something that, that people are often proud of if you're financially a bit behind or whatever yeah. you know it's it's not it's something that people are often quite embarrassed about so so think about being poor and then being homeless is you know yeah sometimes it's just like that feel good thing that you want you're not gonna get no no we've 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 had it we've so had much recently and yeah. the, the lines are blurring you know so I'm, I'm actually cutting hair in places like food banks so i'm seeing homeless people 
young fa- like families coming in. And uh, recently it's like, oh, would you cut children's hair? And it's like, of course I will. Like, yeah. I've got five kids. I know how expensive Thank it you. is. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, I've got five kids and uh, four grandchildren. So wow. the thing is, is that everything, we've got a lot of kids, everything's expensive. So if you're living, like, near the edge of the line, just getting a haircut with the kids is, like, you've got, you've got four of them lined up or five of them lined up. And, you're going to do you it know. yourself. I mean, I mean, we didn't really go to hairdressers till I was a teenager. My mum used to cut my hair. I remember one time sitting like this, and then I went like that, and then she had to lob the other side off. So <laughs> that was actually, I did myself a secret favour. Um, so then I got to go to the hairdressers after that, right. that was the last of the home haircuts. So, you know, in hindsight, it was probably a good thing, but, you know, we didn't even grow up going to hair all the time. Like, you know, it's just how you grow up sometimes, isn't it? So... Well, so if you're homeless, that's the last thing you're going to be spending your money on. No, of course. And, and people say to us, and it, it's like, you know, say, oh, oh mate, uh, it's, uh, you've saved us a tenner, mate, you know? And you think, and it's funny, sometimes I very... It's in a shelter for some people. Yeah. I will, I nice do some, some, well, sometimes I have very exclusive hairdressers volunteering mm. who may be charged... Two hundred pound for an haircut. <laughs> it makes me laugh because they go, "Cheers, mate! You saved me a tenner." And I thought, "Oh, you don't." Little <laughs> do you know he's. But you know, for that hairstylist, you yeah, should not. You know, you need to take that. Yeah. Separate. Oh yeah, I, I know. It's just, it's just, just a little say, chuckle yeah. you get when they say like, that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, uh, on that day as well, what what drew me instantly to you. Uh, was your stunning hair? Thank it was a bit wilder that day. Yeah, I, I, yeah. So I actually, I've got a treatment in it at the moment. Yeah, it, but I love it. I, I love natural curl. I love natural hair. Um, and uh, the thing is, it go, it always brings me to mind of a thing that, like hairdressers, anyone walking into any salon should have their hair done. And I know over the years it's been sort of okay, and it's not okay anymore that, that every hairdresser should be able to do everyone's hair. Yeah, yeah. So I was very fortunate that um, my best friend, who we did not actually get on with, with each other at the start, um, he was my manager at the second salon I worked at, and he's... Um, Asian and he's also trained in Afro hair first so he's a very good hairstylist and he always taught me to do Afro and curly hair from the start so we he already had a client base of um, Caucasian hair and Afro and textured hair so when I started with him at 16 he's so good he's so good around so I'd be like just standing right next to him, well, like in his face, like passing him every pin and every yeah. tint bowl and stuff like that. Because, like I said, I did not want to be shampooing hair. I just had no interest. So I always trained in it in all hair types from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It should, should have been something that everyone's been doing. But it is in the curriculum now. Yeah. Yeah, so we're kind of we're getting there. It's it's not a perfect world. I'm so annoyed about some of the injustices for sure. Um, in the industry and just because you, you wouldn't go and work in a bar and say I don't make mojitos, so someone yeah. else can do that. You have to go to another bar to get a mojito. Your manager yeah. will be like, learn your trade and then come to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or we'll teach you and then. You know, and, and so I don't see why it's not really, it's not really been a viable option to, to just, I don't see why it has been a viable option to go, I don't mm-hmm. need to I, I remember years ago and I've, 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 I've cringed at it when, when uh, someone's come in with Afro hair and get like, sorry, we just don't do your hair. And it like, and you just think, uh, it's so wrong. It's so wrong. And a good friend of mine... People. So, well, a good friend of mine pointed it out, and she's um, Shelley. She's she's got the hair care project in in Norwich, and she she actually writ uh, writ she writ it 
she 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 yeah, wrote I said a couple of things and I'm like dramatically <laughs> she, she wrote the MBQ for texture hair yeah so she yeah she she wrote the uh, she wrote that good job I didn't and she you know like and she said to me she's been an advocate for years you know and she set up this wonderful thing called the her cold care project about people who um who adopt children but have got no idea about the heritage of the hair and, and hair care. And I thought it was yeah. great. That, yeah, that there's a lot of that. I wish I wish she'd come and taught my mother because I was not adopted. Yeah. Um, but my dad's Caribbean and um, my mother is not and she's got really fine, straight, limp hair that doesn't do anything. And this was kind of actually in some twists. Um, there's like a treatment in it now. So this isn't even my natural wild hair. Like normally, you know, as you've yeah. seen. It's, oh, it's lovely, yeah, yeah. As I'm sure some people do already know. Uh, I can't even get a brush through it sometimes. Like, it takes an hour just to detangle it. Um, so my mother never taught me. And I wish I, wish I had someone, what's your friend's name? Uh, Shelley. Shelley, I wish I had Shelley to t- teach my mother yeah. because she used to blow my hair out with a Denman brush. And yeah. I remember um, my aunt, my nan telling her, on my dad's side, telling her that um, she was pulling out all my curls. So my mother repeating that to me and saying, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Yeah. Hmm, turns out she did. Um, so, you know, like, this has been a lot of a self-discovery of me sort of getting to grips with my own hair as well. So yeah. I'm very big on this. I'm very big on people making the best out of what they already have. Yeah. So if you've got a straight hair, let's give you a great cup for that. Yeah. You know, like, okay, I get that people want to have different looks, like wear a wig or, you know, and let's we yeah, can yeah, yeah. style your hair still. But I just, I don't know. I think for me, it's like something that, it took me a very long time to accept and get to know, like, you know, and it's still even like I'm growing out my hair colour. I've stopped colouring it now. So, like, completely natural now. Yeah. Um, I don't use any heated tools on my hair. I haven't straightened my hair for, like, plus five years. Um, but, you know, it's still, even for me, it's still a journey now. It's still not even where I want my hair to be. Yeah. So, you know, I just, I like to, the younger generation, they're never going to go through what we went through, really, because they've got YouTube. Um, I show you the crap out of my hair, and I was wearing the wrong shade of foundation and loads of blue mascara. So they're never going to look that bad, because they can all contour and highlight and do all that crap. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, for some people, and especially like, you know, if you do grow up in in you know, I grew up part with my mum and then part with my father. But then when I grew up with my father, his um, his missus is Irish. So also does not have curly textured <laughs> hair. So You're screwed. I didn't really have any direction for it. It's no. something that I definitely had to learn myself. And I, and I used to cry in the mirror going to school, yeah. trying, to, trying to tame it, you know? Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. And I love working with uh, natural textured hair and, so fun. I yeah. mean, I don't mean to be biased, but yeah, yeah. No, I love it, and and, and I'm a big advocate as well of uh, of accepting your hair. You know, and doing the best of what your hair wants to. Don't make your hair do something it doesn't want to do. I know. Like, you you can spend you know, I spent hours straightening my hair over yeah. years, and and actually, it did not look better. Um because my hair does not straighten very well and there's people with much curlier hair than me and their hair will be perfectly straight and silky and smooth. My hair doesn't do that. Yeah. I can get the most fabulous hairstylist to do it for me and in an hour it will quite likely be kinky already. And so I'd be going over it, going over <laughs> it every day. Like some people straighten their hair once a week and, then, and that's it. They might yeah. go over it one day if they get caught in the rain a little bit. Yeah. But I have to go over it like every half an hour. So I obliterated it. I spent so long trying to force it one way and it just, it would look so much better if I left it the fuck alone. Yeah. Not a lot of things in life. I had the best hair in my whole school and, and for sure I did not, by the way. <laughs> so where, where, where's, your, where's the future life for you with, with your career and, you know, 
what's 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 next for you what's on the on the horizon um well i did get optioned for italian vogue i did not get that and i cried um so i'm i'm hoping to get a shoot with them at some point um but it's really nice to be asked like you know it's very flattering um yeah. it's even nicer if you get booked <laughs> yeah 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 put it in um, the way yeah, I'm with Premier now. I'm we're pushing. I'm doing. I I do like art direct and create my own shoots when I have the time. If I have a little bit of downtime, I'm like, yeah, can we fill this, and then and also like you know get out the creative stuff that I want to sort of exhaust myself anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't really know a hundred percent. I would like to do something with some hair care. Um, not so much styling products. Um, I'd like to maybe do like one mask, like a product or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really think I want to have a whole hair care range, but who no. knows? Who knows? Um, yeah. I'd love to have a little coffee ta- table book in the future. Um, shows I would like to be doing. Um, all of it really it's just so nice because I don't like doing the same thing all the time and then I get loads of other ideas as well so I don't really know I know you were saying like it's nice to have it mapped out yeah I'm not sure though (laughs) it's good stuff though isn't it I have things that I want to do but then you have to see what the workload is like at the time and what you can realistically capacitate because sometimes I do take on too much well, hopefully, unless you get a Vogue shoot, uh, you're going to join me next Friday, aren't you? I am going to join you next Friday, yes. At the wonderful uh, St. Columbus What's the start time? 6.30? Yeah, 6.30. Even if I'm on a shoot, if I tell them I'm cutting hair for homeless, surely they're going to let me leave. Yeah, otherwise screw them. I said, otherwise, screw them. Yeah, like, otherwise, like, I'm not being funny. It's... I need them more than you do. Yeah. But you, you're going to love it because it's I'll like... Um, <laughs> it's it's just around the corner to Harrods. And this one always really gets me because I, I get off the tube and I walk Pretty past much. Harrods and then, you know, and then just go down the road and then I'm in this big church and then we go underneath and they're just about 80 people on a Friday night just there to get some food. To get They get they do a cooked food. Right, right. Yeah, you so know. that's the organisation that I, I used to do. They would hand out food and there'd be some other people doing some other things. Yeah, yeah. and we're, we're off in one corner cutting hair. And, yeah. And, and you just, but you think, we're in the middle of the most affluent, one of the most affluent places in the world. And you think, what, what, what is going on? But it's and a great level. And nice things as well. So, you know, there's like, you sort of the balance of you know you'd be working on set and then you see how beautiful like you know some of the clothes and you know some of the buildings you get to shoot in and you know and then but then you know there there is a balance there's there's Mm. also people that are homeless like there's one thing working hard and wanting to to sort of reap those benefits but I don't know for me I do quite like to be able to give back as well yeah it's a great thing. It's, we all need balance in our life. And, uh, well, you shouldn't really do it for yourself. Like, if you're going to do something charitable, you should do it to give freely. I don't know. I think that whole thing, I don't, like, you know, there's no such thing as charitable act because you, you do get something out of it, you know. And also, like, I, I find it, uh, what I was saying to you when we did our first day together is that, yeah. You kind of you do want to raise awareness as well, so you do yeah. want to talk about it and show people you're doing it. But then when you're doing sort of charity work, you don't really want to be like, "Look at me, I'm so yeah. noble." So it's not supposed to be about you. But then, like, so it's like a bit of a double-edged sword. You obviously yeah. want to advertise it. Yeah, it's you don't we, want to be seen like advertising for the wrong reasons. Either. Well, we get called we get called on it quite a bit about the thing of of like it's a bit exploitative, saying people, people's pictures, and I, I do get where people are coming from. But but then if you don't, people don't know. And this is what you said about a coffee table book when you can't show the humanity. Yeah, 
and exactly that we, we've we're working on a we, we are we've been working for two years on a, on a coffee table book yeah yeah and it's about um capturing the images and um lee keats is working on it with us and um jack eames and he summed it up as well like he said it's this humanizing the face of homelessness so it's capturing the essence of the human behind the perceived Not much about them being homeless you don't take a picture of them in their worst state you you know you yeah it's about them being human right and it, it's 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 the balance but we've we've worked really hard on it and it's we, we should be doing a, crum, a fundraiser soon uh, a crowdfunder you know to, to get for the get it booked uh, published but um yeah, it's been a fascinating process, and and Lee's but been. Getting, with that a lot then of of getting the advertising and not wanting to be like. Yeah. Them. Oh yeah, and and that's the thing. We, we've had we've had situations where people who I wouldn't have thought wanted their photograph taken mm. have really loved having their photograph taken because they're not seen a lot. And this is and, them walk past them a day yeah. and look at them. And, and that's the thing. And this is the, this is the name of the podcast. The podcast is called "Hear Me, See Me," because people feel invisible, and no one talks to them. And it's giving them a voice, and it's making them visible. And you know, and and you that's the thing. Humanizing homelessness. Yeah, it? yeah. I think it's really beautiful. Yeah, we. I mean, we went to a, one project, and it was uh, we were working with street workers, right? And these, so Jack came along and I said, like, I don't think these girls are probably, I presumed, you see, I said, I don't think these girls will want their photograph taken. I think there's only one that didn't. You know, they all loved her. And he, he's got some stunning pictures and it, it's... When, you know, you even go to Germany, or um, sorry, Amsterdam, Holland, um, yeah. and, uh, like being a sex worker is not illegal and... And it's a lot safer, and you know. So your assumptions of somebody like yeah. seen might not be that, you know. Yeah. Like, and I and through the time that I've spent as well talking to people, um, you know, sometimes it's someone that's moved from abroad um, to make some money to send home for their family. They yeah. don't want to come here and take all our jobs or like yeah, yeah. our benefits or something yeah. like that. They just want a better life, and then they get here. And then they can't get a bank account without an address and they can't get an address without a bank account. And then they just yeah. start. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a frustrating thing. And if you can just, and this is the, this is the point of what we try and do. We can't solve any of that stuff, but we can, we can at least make someone feel good for yeah. half an hour or an hour, you know, it's just make yeah, it even that you know can help quite a lot in terms of mm. if someone wants to go for a job and they are homeless and they can't afford a haircut or to be clean and yeah and they don't have those facilities that still can be a massive step you can make them feel good before they go for an interview in terms yeah. of like the actual feelings but also their appearance yeah well. so you might actually solve some of that unknowingly you know it's like kind of maybe hard to tally up but yeah you know, well, my ADHD is kicking in now. So, uh, <laughs> Nicola, it's been lovely talking to you. Uh, I really hope you don't get a vote shoot next Friday because I want you to come and have a tea with me. Don't say that. I want it. <laughs> I want to I, do both. I want it all. I, I had uh, Neil Moody on uh, early I love on. Neil. I used to assist Neil. Oh, it, Neil. He said, uh, he just mentioned it all casually. He said, uh, uh, about Vogue covers and he said oh I've had I think he said I think at that time it was late 50s he'd got like 58 Vogue covers he's probably got about 65 now like Vogue covers oh, you know fantastic. and you think like wow and he just he just threw it in there you know like no she wasn't showing up he just said like, and I thought my god no, I'm he's not, not very show off oh yeah. no he's a lovely man oh he's lovely I love him he's such a great hairstylist he's so lovely to work for as well and he he gives he gives great hugs. It's fun. It's so nice to be around. <laughs> I, lo I cool. love working for you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for giving me your time. Thank you so um, much for having me. I, I shall share everything out once we get it done. And uh, uh, good luck with everything you do. And 
God willing, I'll see you next Friday. I will see you next Friday. <laughs> see you soon. Bye, love. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling.